Hey guys. Hey, hey, how, how are you? Who loves, who loves church? Anyone loves, loves the house of God? So good. And thank you, Nat. We love, we love your lead pastors. Pastor Nat and Hartley are legends. Who's, who's with me so far on that one? Absolute legends. And um, it's, uh, from Bernie and I were just saying on the way out here, it's way too long. Now, from, from our point of view, it's way too long. Maybe not from your point of view. From some of you, it's like, yeah, that's enough, you know. But from our point of view, it's way too long since we've been uh, in our church here in Silverwater and our, our campus here location. So God is moving all across the world, but He's moving in Sydney and He's doing a unique thing, particularly in this part of Sydney. And we're super excited for what God is doing. So, amen. So we're going to get in the Word of God right now. But before we do, why don't we just lift our hands out right now in that, in that posture of receiving. We've, we've lifted them up in praise, but now we're receiving. Father, I thank you. God in heaven, we open our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our lives, as we now, in these next few moments, get filled with your word, with your thoughts, with your thinking, to prepare us for whatever you have for us this week. And God, I pray that every person here, every, every father, every mother, every single person, every younger person, God, that we just thank you, Lord, that you have called us as a set-apart people to make a difference in this society and in our world and the world that you've placed us. Father, I pray that you would infill every life with your spirit, with your word, with fresh vision, with fresh hope, and with the glory of God. And healing like a river would flow through this place in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give the Lord a huge hand? Come on, give him a big noise. Awesome, awesome. You may be seated. Thanks, guys. Hey, give the band a big hand. They've done a great job. Particularly Brad Sabat on that set of drums up there. I wish I could cut my hair like that. I wish I had hair like that. What am I talking about? Awesome. And I love what I was talking about earlier, advertising every woman event, which is coming up soon, which is awesome. I love that. So, you know, and mums, I know what it's like having, you know, whinging and crying in the morning. I thought, and that's just from the husbands. <laughs> Careful. Careful, yeah. I, I know men. I know me. So, hey, it's uh, awesome. Thank you for having us. We're going to get uh, into the scriptures in a second. We're just going to un unpackage a passage of the book of Philippians, which, who loves the scriptures here? Anyone just... As, as believers, the Word of God is a thing that should feed us uh, pretty well, way above everything else. Uh, before we get into that, though, just a, a quick update. Uh, Bernie and I, as uh, Pastor Nat has said, been, uh, we have a new role. Our role is global growth. Still trying to figure out what that means. Uh, but we're visiting a lot of our regions. Uh, we have 13 regions globally around the world as part of C3. Do you realize that, that we together are part, not just of a local church, but a global family? And that's such an honor, isn't it? It's a privilege to be part of that. And you may not always see it all, and, and, uh, but just to, to let you know that there's a lot happening out there in this global family. There's nearly not, right now, around the world, there's nearly 90,000 other people in C3 uh, gathering together to worship the Lord in 400, as of yesterday, 471 locations. Uh, although, although that's great, isn't it? Although I got up this, got up this morning to an email and this week are starting five new churches in Italy. How awesome is that? 
Mamma mia! <laughs> that is awesome. Who would like to visit those churches, anyone? Come on, you practice your spaghetti and, you know. I don't speak Italian, but I've been to Italy a few times and when I go there, I've figured out how to speak Italian. Just add O-R-I on the end of everything. And so it's glassori. It's a <laughs> and shuori. And, uh, and they speak to me and go, your accent is perfect, but your grammar is not so good. But it doesn't matter. I feel like I'm getting into the spirit of it. You know, like, uh, and we've just started a new region. Uh, uh, all the churches in Mexico and Central and South America. And we've had new churches come in, Colombia. We're starting a brand new church in Santiago in Chile in about four weeks' time, which is awesome. And there's all sorts of great things. But the point of all that is that, that, that we are part of this family that's expanding. And, and, and I love it because you know what? It's out of control. It's, it's not in our control. We're not like, because what I love about our job, you know, we're doing a lot of things. We're investing in leaders and training them all over the world. You know what I love about it? We're finding out about things afterwards. I'm like, when did that happen? Who told us they could do that? Who told them I could do that? But I love that because the kingdom of God is meant to expand out of the control of human hands. And, and, and it goes into this sort of, sort of kingdom chaos thing. And that's, that's, when, that's when God is moving. You can't tell me that the day of Pentecost was a controlled environment. The day of Pentecost was out of control. <laughs> it was like, oh, it's happening. And people were speaking in other languages. And 3,000 people got saved. And it's amazing. Hey, by the way, just, I just read this stat yesterday. This is awesome. It's got nothing to do with my message. But I'll, I'll build it in somewhere. The day of Pentecost, the day the church was birthed, 3,000 people met Christ. Who thinks that's amazing? Do you know that now in the kingdom of God, worldwide, 3,000 people meet Christ every 25 minutes? Every 25 minutes. So since this service has started, 6,000 people have met Christ around the world. 210,000 people a day are, me are meeting Christ, which, which is awesome. But hey, no, we've still got cities to reach and people to affect. But you know what? The most important person is the person that you meet tomorrow. The person that you run into at the cafe tomorrow, at work tomorrow. Because God isn't called just the general body of Christ. It's us individually are called to, to make a difference. Uh, and, and be part of the answer for the, for the gospel in a new day. So I think we should give the Lord a big hand and thank Him. All right. I better get on with it. 23 minutes. Okay. So I want you to turn to the book of Philippians, chapter uh, 3. And I know we've started, and you, I'm sure you, you're aware we've started a, a, a new series on foundations in Philippians. Uh, and we've got the whiteboard out, man. We're going deep this morning when Kelsey brings out the whiteboard. Hopefully I get to say something. Uh, but, uh, and so we've started this new series, Foundations in Philippians. And this message is called One Thing. Everybody say One Thing. And, and I, I think as believers it's important to know what certain one things are. Uh, and we're going to talk about that one thing. The key verse, the key text for this morning is discovered in Philippians 3. And it says, uh, one thing I've discovered. Where is that one? I can't even remember. I'll, I'll, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'll say it because it is the key text. Down in, verse, down in verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have a lot of it, but one thing I do, 
forgetting what is behind, straining to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize that God has called me heavenward. That is the key verse, which I'll get back to in a few minutes. But, but I was thinking, you know, we are, throughout the scriptures, there are, I've discovered three key verses that have this little phrase in it, one thing. And, and one of them is the scripture that, where there's Martha and Mary. And, and, you know, the thing, Martha is fussing and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's one of those annoying st- stories in the Bible uh, and, and frustrating ones. And, and, and he, he gives Martha a bit of a hard time. But he's, and he says to, to, to Martha, Mary, your sister is actually the one thing she's doing is preferable. And, and it's a message. I believe every time you see the phrase one thing, it's like a statement about priorities. It's a statement about what is more important. And in that case, faith is more important than works. And it's our faith in God that, that should lead to great works, but faith is more important than works. There's another one in Psalm 27, verse 4. And David is, is, is writing a psalm, obviously, and he says, One thing I desire, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So here we see the priority of the house of God. And I want to commend you this morning because guess where you are? You're in church. And you are people of the one thing. You have discovered, Bernie and I have been part of C3 for 37 years as of uh, two weekends ago. No, actually, this weekend, this weekend is the anniversary of us walking in to C3 because we joined C3 two or three weeks after it started. uh, And we walked in this little church, 20 people in northern beaches of Sydney as a young married couple uh, uh, who believes that I was young at some point. Uh, You're laughing there, okay. Uh, we walked in this uh, little church, 20 people, and that was the beginning of C3. Pastor Phil and Chris, many of you heard that story a million times. I've told it a million times. But you never want to forget what God has opened up to us. Because we've discovered Christ, but we also need to discover the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, as you discover Christ, you discover, discover eternity. But when you discover the body of Christ, you discover destiny. And, and we need to be people of that one thing. And, and for 37 years, we've never woken up on a Sunday morning gone, should we go to church? No, we, we made that decision 37 years ago and realized, no, the house of God is the priority in our lives. And it's the priority for our family. And so we know that our future and all that God has for us is locked up in that priority, which is important. But this morning, we're going to be talking about another one thing. And, and we'll get to it in a second. But it's Paul discovered this truth. Forget what lies behind. Strain to what lies ahead and press on toward the goal, heaven, heavenward. One version says, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Who knows that everything in God is upward? Everything that the devil has is downward. Uh, but there's those three great truths. Forget what lies behind. What do you need to leave behind today? Strain to what is ahead, because who knows there's more ahead. And press on toward the ultimate goal which is the heavenward call, the arrival point, who's, who's looking forward to seeing Jesus face to face, hopefully not today, uh, and moving right along. But before we get there, we're going we're gonna to unpackage this scripture. Let's start, and there's so much in it. Uh, and if I can encourage you as believers, daily read the scriptures, because it will feed you. My job this morning is to, is to Really, not so much give you the revelation, or I hope I do that as well, but really inspire you to go to the Scriptures so that the Word of God becomes a feeding point for your own life, which is really important. But we're going to read from verse 1 of, of uh, Philippians 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. 
it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and as a safeguard for you. It's interesting that Paul, uh, and I believe that God has to keep reminding us of the same things. And here he says, I remind you, rejoice in the Lord. The whole of the theme of the book of Philippians is joy. I know you talked about that last week, probably here. But joy is the theme. And joy is not external. Joy is ultimately eternal, but it begins internal and changes that which is external. And so it's interesting that even the context of the writing of the book of Philippians, it was written from a jail, and the birth, the church was birthed in prison. They, They got arrested and they got thrown into prison. And in that prison, what was the first thing that Paul and Silas did? Paul led them in praise and worship, began to, to worship. So right away, we see that joy initially is not external. If it, were, if it would be, if it is, you wouldn't be here right now. Because we know there's a greater hope and there's a greater joy that lives on the inside of us. It is, it is first of all eternal, but begins internal. But here's the deal. Once you get the joy that's eternal and begins internal, it begins to change things that are external. As they begin to praise God, guess what? The doors flung, the prison doors flung open and the foundations of the prison were rocked. God will rock your circumstances if you rejoice, rejoice in them right now. Who believes that this morning? Anyone? So that's great. All right. I guess I'm preaching now. I'll, I'll get back to teaching. Okay. So, but I feel so excited. And then verse two, it says, watch out for those dogs. Watch out for those dogs. They're like, who's he talking about? I think that's a bit rough. Uh, and uh, uh, sorry, I thought I thought I would I thought I would unleash that one upon you. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll change my tact. Watch out for those dogs. Those men who do evil. Those mutilators of the flesh. Gets better. <laughs> who worship? Uh, sorry, worship. Uh, uh, Mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Okay, who's he talking about? This is, in order for me to get to that scripture, which we'll get to in a second, in terms of the core verse, we have to understand this piece of the scripture. Because what is the context? The context of what Paul is talking about the early church was, was persecuted by a religious spirit that tried to rob the church, and the same spirit is alive today, that tries to rob the church of its righteousness, that tries to rob the church of its confidence. Because what do we have our confidence in? We do not have our confidence in the flesh. We have our confidence in the gospel. The only confidence we have is in the work and the completed work of Jesus Christ himself. And if we at all slip off that platform back into the confidence in the flesh, then we will be slipping off the most important platform there is, which is the gospel itself. The only foundation we have as believers is the completed work of the cross. That's the only foundation we have. And therefore, the only foundation for which any future work that we do is from that foundation. And so there were these persecutors, and they used to, Paul would preach in a place, and they would follow him, and they were, they were, they were uh, people who would preach, they would say they were Christians, but they would preach a gospel of circumcision. So they would say, okay, you, okay, you found Christ, but you also have to get circumcised. You also have to follow all these religious rituals and and so it would undo the very purpose of the gospel because we cannot add to the gospel 
There's nothing we can do that can add to our justification before God because here's the deal. Human flesh wants to justify itself. Religion wants to tell you that you have to do a bunch of things to be justified. Neither are true. It's interesting. I'm going to the whiteboard. Is that okay? It's interesting that Paul said, beware of these guys. Watch out for the dogs. In other words, we have to protect our thinking. One of the things in order for you to go on to the purpose that God has for you is that you need to, you have to protect the thinking because the gospel is about thinking. Even Jesus said this in one of his gospels in one of the four. Uh, it's in there somewhere. Uh, I believe it's in Mark chapter 8. He said this, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of the yeast of Herod. So here we have, we have this thing called yeast. So beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. And he said, beware of the yeast of Herod. What is that? Well, yeast, as you know, is a little thing that gets into something and causes it to grow. And the yeast of the Pharisees is, is religion. And the yeast of Herod is the world. Both those things, that, 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 I'm not a very good artist. That's a nose. And that's, that's a lip. <laughs> the, devil has, the devil has two faces. He has the, the face of religion and he has the face of the world. And they, they attempt to achieve the same thing. That the world will tell you, you have, to, you have to work your way, earn your way, achieve your way into self-righteousness. Whereas religion says, no, you have to go through these rituals in order to, to achieve self-righteousness. But here's the deal. In God, only Christ can deliver that. And, and Paul begins to, interestingly enough, before he gets into talking about forgetting the past and reaching forward, he says, get, let's get our thinking right, let's get our foundation right, so we understand where our righteousness fits. And because he goes on to say, none of us should be putting confidence in the flesh. And he uses himself as an example. And, if, and he, reading down further, says, if anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of uh, of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, regards the law of Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. So he begins to lay out his own background going, guys, if anybody's got confidence to go, I qualify, Paul's going, I qualify. But he, he, but he says, I don't qualify. None of these things qualify me to put confidence in who I am before God. And begins to realize and communicate this to the church, which is super important. Then he goes on. For whatever was profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. It's a, it's a, that's actually not the right word. The word, the translation word is actually dung. It actually, I don't even want to say that word in church this morning. There's another word that we would use. I consider them, exactly, that's the word that I was thinking of. And it just went through your minds and I've corrupted you all this morning. So that's, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Watch this. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. Check this, verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection 
and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings and become like him in his death and somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. That is a pretty great qualification, isn't it? And so he said, look, guys, in order for me to, to be found in Christ, I've got to consider what my confidence was once in and do what I would call the great comparison. We've got to do the great comparison and say everything I've done, everything I've achieved, even positively, all the things that I ever have done, ever have been, are nothing compared to me being found in God and in Christ. And, and once we have done that comparison, because if we resurrect these things, we resurrect our own self-righteousness, resurrect our own achievements, resurrect those things and, and hold it up to God and say, God, these are valuable things, then we then can't get access into the thing that is really valuable, which is to be found in Christ and in the power of His resurrection and also the resurrection from the dead. That's great news, isn't it? Fantastic. That's awesome. So because often when we're reading the Scriptures, we take a piece of Scripture, like the core verse here, forget what lies behind, and we don't understand the actual context of it. The context of it is what justifies you, what makes you right before God. And so all of us here have, have done great things and achieved great things, but really compared to what Christ has done for us and what He wants, us to, give, want, he wants to give us access into, which is absolutely incredible. So Paul says, okay, forget all that. Let that go. Consider it loss. Consider it dung. Consider it absolutely rubbish, refuse. And Paul is not talking about negative things. He's talking about positive things. He's talking about great achievements. He's talking about being at the top of the pile of pharisaical religion and the leader of his people. He's saying, even that I consider absolute rubbish compared to what I gain in being in Christ. What do you need to let go of this morning? What, what, what achievements, what background, what heritage, what social class, what, what gender, what, what money, what, what achievement, what do I need to let go of and go, none of it, great, some of it is good in and of itself, but compared to who I am in Christ, my identity is in Christ, my future is in Christ, my confidence is in Christ, my power is in Christ, come on, my, my everything I have. the great equalizer. We can all be that in Christ this morning. In this room, there is neither male or female, working class, non-working class. There's neither Jew nor Gentile or this race versus that. None of those things. None of those things count in Christ. In Christ, what counts is Him and His crucified life on the inside of us and the future and the purpose and the glory and the, and the things that He has up ahead for us, which is awesome news. Okay, now we're on equal playing field. Now we've all got a calling. We've all got a future. Not just the guy up on the platform, but every single person. The person sitting in your seat right now has access into this power, has access into this calling, which is amazing. But all we need to do is, is not put confidence in the flesh, but embrace the purpose and the total thing that Christ has for us. Okay. All right, I just had to get that out. I just had to get that out. Now, thank you. Let's give it up for Dorian. Now the key verse, and I'll do this in just a few minutes. Verse 12. So he says all that. 
He says all that great stuff, which I'll just quickly summarize again. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, become like him in his death, and so, so somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good goal to go for. Who thinks that's a good goal? And ultimately, because the ultimate thing, and I don't have time to go into it theologically, but the ultimate thing is to attain to the resurrection from the dead. That's where we're going. Resurrected body. Who's looking forward to that? Resurrected body. Full life. Just, just the hope of glory. What's going to be in you? Spirit, soul, and body. The purpose, the future, the pain-free life that God has ahead for you is amazing. And, and I have, but I had to chuck all this other stuff in order to gain that. But then he says the most amazing thing. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or have been already made perfect, but, everybody say but. You're going to find the buts in the Bible. But I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Now, we don't have a lot of time, but it's very important that we understand a concept here is that Christ Jesus took a hold of me so I can take a hold of that. We, and in these first few verses, he's saying, God has taken a hold of me. I've considered all these things lost so he could take a hold of me. And so in that, I've considered all things rubbish, all things lost, so that he can take a hold of me. But, it, but God taking a hold of you is not for you. God taking a hold of you is so you can discover what it is that because many people never discover they're that. He says, I said, I press on in order to take a hold of that. Everybody say that. Because of what Jesus, Christ Jesus took a hold of me. So he took a hold of you. The big first big question is, has he taken a hold of you? Have you allowed him to take a hold of you? Because once he takes a hold of you, he goes, now let me give you your that. And every one of you have a that. What is your that? Your that is your calling. Your that is your purpose. Your that is God's destiny for you. And he says, I, I let go of the past and I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. So are you, are you living in your that? Have you discovered your that? Do you even know you have a that? Have you seen that? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm playing on this, but that's the deal. That is the deal. And, and how, many, how much of the church is sitting dormant, sitting in church services, going from service to service instead of from that to that? God wants to help you to find your that. And that from day one, from day one in the church, Pastor Phil led us into that this, this isn't about you. This is about you discovering. Once you discover Jesus, He then wants you to discover your that. Then discover your calling. But it goes further. He goes further. Paul goes, brothers, I do not consider myself yet having taken a hold of it or that. But here we have the, key, the core verse. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for Christ Jesus. Heavenward. Oh my goodness, that is like crazy. So I forget what lies behind. I strain to what is ahead and I press on. Those th three things. Everybody say forget, strain, press on. So God wants us to do three things. To forget. What do you need to forget this morning? Because in forgetting is freedom. In your forgetting is freedom. 
Now, you may need to forget the good things, but you may need to forget the bad things. But in forgetting is also forgiving. Forgiveness is part of forgetting. There's a whole package in the forgetting package. What is behind you, watch this, what is behind you that is actually holding you back from what is ahead of you? And most people get so caught in what is behind them, they never discover what's in front of them. And so whatever is behind you, what, what is it? Is it a person? Is it a relationship? Is it a thinking? Is it an experience? Is it a, is it a hurt? Is it an offense? What is behind you? And here's Paul going, I forget that. Everybody say forget it. In the book of Isaiah, says, forget the former things. Forget those things. Because there is a future ahead of you that God wants you to plant. But in the forgetting, and in that forgetting, like I said, it's a package. There's forgiving, there's letting go. There's just moving away from certain things in your past. There is a freedom. Because you can't go into your future without freedom. Years ago, uh, Bernie and I used to be the youth leaders at, at, at C3. I'm talking years, I'm talking about decades ago, early days of the church, the first year of the church. And Pastor Phil, uh, we led that, we, we, we inherited three people, and we built up, up to almost 100 young people, which is great. But I was praying one day, and the Lord said, forget the youth ministry, let it go. I'm like, I can't let go of the youth ministry. That's my identity. That, that's, I do the youth announcements on Sunday night. This gives me kudos. This gives me, this gives me reason. I was like, he said, no. And it was a very clear word, let it go. I went to Pastor Phil, had an, had an appointment with him. Three things went bad about that interview. <laughs> Number one, I said, Pastor Phil, I feel like the Lord's telling me to let this go. And, and he, the first thing was, he didn't question it. He, he said, okay. I'm like, aren't you going to? beg me to stay or something (laughs) that's number one number two he had my replacement in mind immediately (laughs) hello and thirdly when I said to him what do you want me to do now he said I don't know what am I God or something (laughs) I left that I left that meeting like that did not go the way I anticipated but I'll tell you what I had a word from God you know what the word was let go let go, forget the past. Because here's the deal, your that is like this. But there's a bigger version of the that. But that's not very, and there's a bigger version of the that. You've got to let go of that that to get to that that. In order to get to that that. <laughs> Who's with me this morning? Turn to the person next year. Turn to the person next year and say, let go of that. But some of you haven't got anything to let go of. You've got to find your first that to get into the next that. You know what? Two months later, I got a phone call from Pastor Phil. said, can I see you? So I walked on to his office and he said, the Lord spoke to him. And he said, ask, he said, the Lord spoke to me and said, put you on staff and get you to oversee all the small groups, all the connect groups in the life of the church. And we, went, and we had 12 connect groups at that point. And the next four years, that went from 12 connect groups to 150 connect groups. Church went from 250 to 1,200 people in that stage. I ha- if I didn't let go of that, I wouldn't discover the, 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 the next that. That God wants, God has a greater thing for you. And maybe, you're, maybe the thing that you need to let go of is, is a pain or a disappointment. And I've, I could tell you, I could go on forever on those ones. 
the many things that I've done wrong or missed it or, or been offended by people or, 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 or let down by people. Let go of that. Forget what lies behind. What is behind you? Because I'm telling you what is behind you has got handles on some of you. And you're wondering why I can't move forward because we need to strain ahead. And strain ahead. And, the, the, and in strain, in forgetting and straining, it breaks the bonds and the chains of what is holding you back. Now, but I'll just, I'll be finished in a minute. I'll finish in a minute. I'll just, for a second, just jump out of this. The press on bit is important because the press on is into the future. In, in, in letting, in the forgetting is freedom, but in the pressing on is fruitfulness. And, and you need, we need both. We need, we need to be free, but the pressing on, pressing on is just simply this, continuing. Just continue. If you continue Long enough and consistent enough, you will bear fruit. You will be a people that a person that got people look at and go, my goodness, look at all that fruit. And the only way to produce that fruit is by pressing on and achieving. People have said, How come you've done this and how come you've done that? You know why? We've just hung around for 37 years. <laughs> We've just just not given up. Not I'm not special. I'm not that intelligent, not that special, but I just keep hanging in there. As you keep pressing on, eventually God goes, I think I'll use that guy. You know, like He's pretty talentless. He's obviously, obviously not good looking, and and uh, he's short and uh, getting older by the minute. But uh, I'll keep using him, pressing on. Everybody say press on. But the one in the middle is strained towards. And I don't have time to do this. I'm already gone a couple minutes over time. But strained towards is about the future. What is your future? What does your future look like? And listen to me. Listen to me. God has more ahead for you. He does not. He, does, he doesn't want you to just to get older. Progress, your future, is not about getting older. Your future is about God revealing to you what it is that He wants you to do, what He wants you to achieve, what He wants you to get a hold of. You've got your, your foundations right in righteousness, but it's in this area of straining towards what is ahead. And, and just really quickly... The future exists in four places all at the same time. The future exists, and, and this is a whole message in itself, and I don't have time to, to do it justice, and I'm coming down here. Anyone like that? <laughs> I've been training all week to achieve that. <laughs> Just kidding. God's future for you does not happen by chronology. God's future for you is birth. God wants to birth your future. The straining ahead isn't just about white-knuckling it and trying harder. No, God, wants, God has seasons for you to birth new things that you currently can't see. I'm getting excited. I'm up on my toes. And so where does it exist in four places? And the one, there are four places which you discover your future in. One of the four places you're straining to. Number one, it's in your leaders. Your future is partly in your leaders. As we've kept following Pastor Phil and Chris, they have a, a vision and a future in them that as we follow them, our future is birthed. That's why the enemy comes and attacks that relationship so much. Because if you can sever that relationship, we become wanderless and we meander off the plan and the future of God. Who's with me on that one? So important. Protect the relationship with your leaders. Super important. The second place that your future is, is behind you. 
Somewhere along the line, I don't know when, I discovered I was no longer the young guy. I used to be the young guy. I used to be the guy with the new ideas. I was the guy with the cutting edge stuff. And then somewhere along the line, I realized I'm no longer that guy. Some of you are thinking it happened a lot longer ago than you think. But I realized that the future is in the generation behind me. That there is future, thoughts, ideas, stuff that's in them. As I travel around the world, I'm talking to these young guys, yeah, to teach them, but more to, to learn from them. Because there are things in them that are unique. That, that, that God, there's a future behind us. Older people, don't get so proud we can't listen to the young. We need to listen to the next generation and empower and release them. So the future's in. Number, number three, the future, the, the second one, the circle, is around us. Your future is around you. Maybe in your team, maybe in your friendships, there's voices that need to speak into your heart and your life that maybe will give you a thought about your future. That's where your future exists. But also the last one, your future is above you. Your future, God wants to, maybe God wants to speak to you. Maybe God wants, there's, there's like, often we get caught in our world and we can't see the future, but as we seek God and seek, and seek Him, He lifts our eyes above our current circumstance and suddenly, bang, like, my goodness, I see what God wants me to do. I see the future and He births a whole new thing. We need to strain into that as we seek Him. The best example I believe in the Bible is Acts 10 when Peter went and prayed and God spoke to him about the future. God spoke to me about the future of the church. We are sitting here today because that one prayer time that Peter had to open up the church to the Gentiles. I'm telling you, the future, God has a great future for you. Amen. Why don't we just stand to our feet as we finish right now.